fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It is that time of day again. Welcome into the program. The greatest time of the day, the greatest day of the entire week. Why? Because we are the eternal optimists, which means we are excited to rock and roll for another broadcast here on the Radio Waves. Welcome into a radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Your Millennial General doing the thing like we do every single day. Big show lined up for you today. So we were going to have two guests. One to kick off the program right out of the gates here. Not able to get a hold of him, but it's okay. We'll try and get him rescheduled. Jeff Winningham, he is a photographer and an author, and he has written his latest book, A Trail of Marvels. Yesterday was Halloween, obviously, so happy Halloween to you if everybody got to enjoy. I'll tell you our little quick story uh, in just a minute. Yesterday was Halloween. Today is Day of the Dead. In Mexican celebration. And we were going to have Jeff Winningham on as he did a book and took many photos regarding Day of the Dead celebrations in Mexico for the last few years and compiled a number of pictures and how they celebrate and their traditions and how cool it is. So we were going to talk about that coming up at the kickoff of the program. Not able to get a hold of Jeff. Maybe we'll get him on later on in the program if we have time to do so. If not, not a big deal. And uh, happy Halloween to him. Bottom of the hour, we do have Jason Resendez. He is with Customers for Quality Care. They're doing a campaign right now for health literacy campaigns, getting people educated on health insurance for you know enrollment period that's going into the fall season right now and your rights understanding health care understanding ways to try and keep your health care debt relatively low kind of an important issue especially with thanks to Obamacare how disastrous our health care industry is right now and how expensive health care has continued to climb and how uh, how expensive health care will continue to climb as we go through uh, the Biden years with inflation and the cost of everything going up and government intrusion and everything of the sort. So we'll get to that coming up <laughs> a little bit here with Jason uh, right around the corner. There are a few things we need to talk about today, though. So welcome into the program and thanks for hanging out. We have some serious things, some not so serious things. Uh, Elon Musk has uh, dropped his price to stay on Tweety, if that's what some decide to do, to $8 a month. Would you consider staying on Twitter for $8 a month, or would you be dropping that platform? We'll get to that here in just a bit. Right now, though, I think the big headline of the day. What's trending today? Outside of, of course, the ongoing Supreme Court hearings on affirmative action, which we did talk about a little bit yesterday. Interesting conversation there for sure as the left all up in arms, man. All kinds of angry about the potential ending of affirmative action, what that means for universities and businesses across the nation on how we select individuals might actually be chosen based on qualifications as opposed to your color of your skin. (laughs) I know. I know. That's a wild concept. Don't be talking such rationale here in the United States today, man. That's crazy talk. If you talk about qualifications as opposed to victimization and the equity that you have as a human being, 
which I ask everybody on the other side of the aisle, first, when did we start using the term equity? Number two, who sets the equity for you? Because equity means value, essentially. You have certain value. Who decides that value? Because if it was me, everybody has unlimited amount of value. I love you all. You're all fantastic. Yes, even the crazy Democrats who hate my guts and send me nasty emails all the time. It's okay. I still love you to death. You all have wonderful equity. But according to the government... They decide the equity that bleeds into, you know, a social credit score, that bleeds into how much they're actually going to loan you, that bleeds into what you're allowed to do in society, that bleeds into whether you're allowed to use public transportation or use a credit card or use a bank account or whether you're going to get a, uh, get into a certain university or get a certain job. We need to have a social credit score based on your equity and because of your skin color, you're already going, already going to have a prerequisite number uh, for your equity value, apparently. Welcome to the liberal socialist utopia. I don't want to go down that road today, but it's a fascinating conversation to the point where it's breaking my brain, the fact that we're even there in the first place. So, uh, America, we've got a ways to go, don't we? Yeah, we got a ways to go. We are officially less than a week away from election time. The latest polls I've seen right now show that we are up two to three points on the national congressional races nationwide with Republicans over Democrats, with the economy taking that number one slot, which it has been for a few weeks already. Not that big of a surprise, but the economy continues to be that cause for concern. Now, the Federal Reserve came out earlier today, according to CNBC, and according to the chairman, Jerome Powell, said that we need to raise interest rates yet again for the fifth time this year to continue to battle inflation. How that makes any sense, I'm not quite sure, because we've done it four times already this year, and inflation is still lingering at right around 9%, meaning all we have to do is not worry about government spending, not worry about the government programs that are going out, not worrying about other issues that are of importance in this nation. No, no, we don't need to stop printing money and spending money. All we have to do... You dummies, how come you just come, didn't come to this conclusion as well? Is just raise interest rates so high that it causes things to be more expensive so that way you just don't want to buy things. So that way we can just price people out of the market, we can reset the market, and then hopefully later on down the road we can lower interest rates all over again. We're getting to the point of like the Jimmy Carter era under the Biden administration, although that took a gradual amount of time over like eight years. This one took a year and a half for the Joe Biden administration to get to the point that we're at right now. So I guess congratulations, you've broken a record on how quickly you can screw up the economy right now with a fifth rising of interest rates and people loving and relishing in that one. Here's the kicker, though. And this is, I guess, according to our latest in What's Trending. What's trending today? Our what's trending story of the day is according to CNBC as well. Job openings continue to surge for the month of September as well. Now, if you remember, under the Biden administration, they have tried and attempted to recover themselves on economic issues. It hasn't worked very well, but they've really, really tried. I mean, he is the master of the economy, right? Since I came to office, that's what we've done. Historic vaccination efforts that saved lives, helped our economy recover from all the lost jobs during the pandemic. 10 million jobs created. Yeah. A record for any administration at this point in the presidency. <laughs> 10 million jobs created. Not the recovery from COVID-19, not the allowing people just to go back to work after COVID-19. No, no. They're brand new, created, never before seen jobs before, right? Is that 
Is that is that true? I think you are fake news. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's right. That's a lie. A complete falsehood, but that's what they came out to do in their desperate attempt to win over people back on the number one political issue going into Election Day, winning the economic issues. Now, if they've created 10 million jobs, you would think creating 10 million brand spanking new, shiny, hot off the press, right out of the assembly line new jobs that the assembly lines, by the way, aren't there anymore because you continue to destroy that economy. But nonetheless, those brand spanking new, shiny new jobs that are coming right off of the assembly line, uh, you would think that there would be so many people working now that there would be no more jobs left over. I mean, how could we, in a year and a half, create, create 10 million jobs? Now, every month, on average, if you pay attention to economic issues at all, you see every month at the end they talk about an unemployment rate, They talk about job growth. They talk about new jobs. And they're like, oh, yeah, we added to the workforce near 200. Usually it's right around 200, 250,000 jobs a month. If we lose jobs, if we gain jobs, it's right around that 100 to 200,000 mark every single month. Which if you calculate that for 10 months, that would be a million jobs. We're looking at like 20 months because we're not quite in two years yet. So that would be roughly maybe 2 million jobs created if you had an average of 100,000 jobs created every single month. Maybe we could go for 2 million jobs. He says they've created 10 million. That means so many businesses grew and expanded so quickly that we created 10 million new slots that have never been there ever before in existence of the human uh, U.S. consumer private sector job um, industry. I mean, that again, does that make any sense? It is totally absurd. No, no, of course not. Now, of course not. Now, the jobs report that came out for the month of September shows that there are more job openings now than what was expected for the month of September. As according to CNBC, employment openings for the month totaled 10.72 million jobs above the estimations of what they thought was going to be 9.85 million. So almost 1 million more jobs open right now than what they anticipated. What does that mean? That means the whole, we created 10 million jobs. They apparently created them, but they can't fill them. Is that what that means? (laughs) They created the jobs. They just can't fill the jobs. Is that true? Is that what we're talking about now? We have so many jobs that we now apparently have one job available Uh, I'm sorry, we have, for every one worker, we have 1.9 jobs available if you break it down to a statistic, to an average. Almost two jobs available per worker that's out there. I throw out the question now, if that is truly the case, then why the hell do we have so many people on unemployment across the nation? If we have two jobs almost for every one person, then why do we have a vast number of individuals that aren't working or even paying taxes? The latest study as well shows that 40% of households across the nation pay no federal income tax for this year. Zero. 40%. Now, that also means that while we're seeing record number of tax revenue go into the federal government, it's not the poor people that's picking up the pace. It is the evil rich people that are already paying more than their fair share because the top 60% pay all of the federal income taxes in this nation. 40% of households don't pay them. Why? Because they don't make enough. And if there's 10 million jobs available in the nation, you would think that those that are sitting on unemployment not paying federal income taxes could easily get a job when there's two jobs available for every worker in the United States within that age range that's of working age and available to actually work in the workforce. These are bad numbers for the Biden administration. 
And while they try to spin it and say it's good news because the economy is growing, we're spending roughly the same amount as consumer spending overall, even with the high inflation, which blows my mind because I'd say, screw that. I don't want to spend as much money or more money for the same amount of goods that I have. I'm going to find a way to cut my budget because my income hasn't grown. So why would my expenses just continue to grow without any issue? That seems to be a problem for me, maybe not for other people, but at least for me, I have that problem to where I don't spend outside of my means because I'm somewhat financially responsible. I wasn't in the past, but I am now. At least I try to be. But with 40% of households, 40% of households across the nation not paying federal income tax, doesn't that mean there are plenty of opportunity for people to be getting more jobs? Now, what's the Biden administration doing in response to this? They are parading that the economy is doing well, even when it's not. And they're saying that we need to spend more money on more social programs. Their platform has not been, let's get people into the workforce to succeed and do well. Oh no, what has been their platform? Let's go ahead and bail out people with student loan debt. Let's go ahead and bail out the healthcare industry so that way we can lower quote unquote healthcare costs, which is not true. Let's go ahead and expand the social programs. Let's go ahead and spend more money at the federal level with uh, with federal programs. Let's go ahead and print more money so we can do things because according to Joe Biden, remember, it's not just giveaways, it's helping people because people want the government just to deal with their problems. Yes, he said that. Yes, he'll continue to say that because that's his mentality. He wants the government to take care of issues for the people. Most people... The vast majority of Americans are hoping that their government just takes care of the problem. (laughs) That's what we're up against here. We have an opportunity to do well in this nation, getting people back to work, which, by the way, creates economic growth for the businesses and for the workers who then will be paying taxes. Well, then we'll see tax growth for the government and a spurring of the GDP and all around would be good. But more jobs are available and we're not trying to fill them right now because we have to expand more social programs. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. So we have 10 million open jobs for the month of September. Now, some of those may be getting filled here over the next couple months because of the holidays. Uh, Amazon has announced that they're doing their holiday hiring. So part-time jobs, trying to help out individuals, make a quick buck, make an extra buck, maybe for some holiday shopping. But working for Amazon, working for Macy's, other places that are doing some of their part-time holiday. uh, and, And that may be part of what's going on here. And a lot of those positions, I am getting some messages, Andy, some of those are low income. Some of those are minimum wage. They're working retail for the dollar store, working retail for the costume store for Halloween, working as a busing tables and waiters. But you know what? That's that's cool. Okay, I get it. Understand that. If you have an engineering degree and you got laid off as an engineer making $100,000, do you really want to be busing tables? Uh, the next question is, if that's the only job out there right now until you get back on your feet, would you rather take that as opposed to the unemployment benefits? I guess that's a question to have, isn't it? I mean, we're also creating issues that aren't necessarily there. If there are 10 million jobs available in this nation right now, 
why in the world are we not having young adults that are trying to get into the workforce as an entry level for those jobs? A lot of them retail, a lot of them in the restaurant industry, a lot of them in the customer service industry. Why in the world are we not utilizing these young adults that are 17, 18, 19 years old trying to make an extra buck for college, trying to get into the workforce to make a little money or just get work experience and build that work ethic? Why are we not utilizing this? The Biden administration's not talking about that. They could hit a slam dunk here. And I'm telling Democrats, I'm swear, I promise you, I'm giving you a tip right now. If you were smart, which I, I guess I don't need to go down that road. If Democrats were smart, being in control, dominating the dialogue right now, they could be creating a program. You don't even need to create a program, but that's what they love to do is we're going to create a new agency because the government's going to handle this issue. They could be creating some type of program or some type of outreach or whatever to say we're going to get young kids into these entry-level positions. While we've raised the minimum wage, while we fought for people to raise and get better jobs over the COVID pandemic, while people have left for better opportunities over the COVID-19 pandemic, it has left the industries of retail and of the restaurant industry in the entertainment industry with uh, nightclubs and bars and venues. It's left them decimated trying to find workers where most of them have to close for parts of the week because they don't have enough workers to stay open. Why have Democrats not come out and said, hey, let's go ahead and start a program to get these young kids into these industries to get them work, to fill the positions, to create and stimulate economic growth, and to be able to solve the problem of young kids that are struggling to find work because our policies ruin that by raising minimum wage and not businesses now not wanting to hire people that don't have any work experience for $20 an hour. What a concept, right? We could solve these issues, and Republicans, let's come out with that plan. Democrats haven't done it. Let's go ahead and do it. We could easily solve it. That way, when we say, hey, there are no jobs available because the economy is so damn good that they're they're all filled up. No one wants to sit on their butt and collect the unemployment check. No one wants to sit around and just pass it by. We want to go and work these jobs. And because of that, we expand. Then we could say, for truthfully, that we did create a million new jobs. Because business was booming and expanding so nicely that we had to create a new store. We had to open up a second or third or fourth shop. We had to hire more people because we're so damn busy because more people have money. Therefore, more people are buying goods and services, stimulating the economy, paying income tax, paying sales tax, and doing everything else. Right now, though, I guess the Democrats don't want that. I mean, the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates for a reason because the economy is still too busy and they wanted to die off by canceling out half of the consumers so where you can't afford anything so that way they can get things back on track because of supply chain issues and everything of such as well it's a tricky double-edged sword i guess and they want the economy to slow down while saying the economy is doing very well i find that hypocritical but we have a very simple solution to solve the economic problem and it doesn't involve the government i that's crazy talk right doesn't involve the government. We'll shift gears when we come back. We'll talk about health care with Jason Resendez with Consumers for Quality Care. We'll do that right around the corner here on The Voice of Reason for a post-Monday celebration. Stay right here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason 
with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting all over the place, baby. We're just having way too much fun covering way too much ground. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. We're not just the Tide Pod eating millennials. I promise you. <laughs> At least that's what we tell ourselves. Who knows? Welcome back in. By the way, if you have not signed up for our newsletter yet, do be sure to do so. It's coming up here. Uh, I'm going to send it out a week from today. Usually I send it out on November 1st or the first of the month. I'm going to send it out on Election Day next Tuesday. So if you're not signed up for the newsletter, please do totally free. Become a Hoosier Holic. Upgrade your life a little bit. Have some fun. Just go to the website, Who's Your Reason, H-O-O-S-E-R, reason.com. Go ahead and sign up. It's totally free. You'll get our month-to-month email talking about the blog and what's going on with the radio show and with our Hoosier Media Network and other podcast programs that we have, all the cool stuff that we have going on with the show and outside of it as well. So sign up. It's free again at HoosierReason.com. All right, I want to shift gears. We have our economic issues that we've been talking about. 40% of households not paying income tax in the country and 10 million jobs that are sitting there floating available, as the Biden administration says, that we've created like 10 million jobs since he's been in office. Okay, so I want to shift gears from that. We'll get back to it here in just a little bit. But another major issue being talked about a little bit, I guess, on the campaign trail, but it is about that time of year for us to focus some attention on it, is healthcare. In our latest. What's trending today? And really happy to have on the program as they are pushing their health literacy campaign. Are you aware of the options that you have while health insurance continues to skyrocket in price and, you know, your premiums and your deductibles and it gets more and more complicated as you go on? Are you aware of some of the options and are you aware of some of the literacy going on for the healthcare industry and understanding the industry overall with consumers for quality care? Excited to have on the program with us here, Mr. Jason Resendez. Jason, how are you, my friend? Good, good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the program. Right now, first off, how many insurance companies are there right now across the country, and are people aware of a lot of the options that they have? Because, I, first, personally, for me, I don't know if I have a lot of options either. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly why we're doing this campaign right now during uh, Health Literacy Month, but also the start of open enrollment. You know, it's really important time to be thinking about what those options are and to do that work because there are consequences uh, when it comes to the decisions we make around selecting healthcare, right? One of those consequences is medical debt. One in three adults in the U.S. have medical debt, and medical debt is the largest source of debt in collections, right? Outshadowing even credit cards. Um, and so really important right now to think about how can you avoid some of those pitfalls like medical debt or things like surprise bills, right? Nearly three in four voters are very concerned with health care costs, ranking them above things like housing, child care costs, et cetera. And surprise bills are a big thing that contributes to those health care costs. We've seen even after legislation has been passed to address surprise billing, of patients have received a surprise bill. So this really is an important time to be thinking about how you can avoid some of these pitfalls uh, to make sure that you are not crushed by medical debt and can kind of suit those uh, surprise bills. That's a great point. I've said the the story many times on this program, but my wife and I filed for medical bankruptcy just a, uh, I don't know, probably five years ago now, four years ago now because of the debt that we racked up uh, with the system, and it was devastating. Luckily now, thank God, we don't have any medical debt, and we make sure that we try and stay on top of those issues when they do arise. But it is a major issue for so many individuals. So talk about some of those options and talk about some of the tips that we can try to avoid 
the surprise bill or that massively overbearing debt that many people face every day? Yeah, so from a surprise billing perspective, I think one of the most important things that you can do is really think of yourself as a consumer, right? So as much as you can plan ahead, which is not always possible, especially if you are in a uh, emergency situation. But if you're planning uh, routine care, uh, make sure that you're thinking about what network uh, you have, uh, what if our providers that you're seeing, hospitals that you're uh, going to, sites of care, are they within your network? And that's one really important way to avoid surprise bills. But that doesn't always, um, you know, solve it, right? We see a lot, like I said, 20% of patients are still receiving uh, surprise bills, despite the fact that this has been legislated by Congress uh, to address the issue. So one of the things you can do is make sure that you are being aware of any surprise bills that you might get and contact either your uh, state insurance commissioner or file a complaint with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. So I think that's one way to help avoid uh, surprise bills, be aware of that network, and then make sure you raise hell uh, if you get struck with one. But then in terms of decision-making, right? Right now is a really important time in terms of decision. So one of the things that we are uh, cautioning folks uh, against is our short-term limited duration insurance plan. So as you're out there shopping around for coverage and thinking about things to avoid, definitely want to avoid short-term limited duration insurance plans. These are basically junk plans. That's what we call them. They often exclude coverage on pre-existing conditions, including conditions an individual did not know they had or were not aware of uh, required medical intervention. They look good on paper because they have a low monthly deductible, but oftentimes you get hit with a big bill because a lot of basic services aren't covered as part of short-term limited duration insurance plans. These are really meant to be band-aids. If you Leave a job, your COBRA runs out, you need something to get you uh, to the next job and the next uh, employer-provided insurance, you could sign up for one of these short-term limitation plans. But now, because the regulations are so lax, they've been able to be extended and people are relying on them as their primary form of insurance, which oftentimes results in big bills uh, at the end of the day. So really uh, caution folks against uh, signing up for short-term limited duration plans. Another thing to watch out for are copay accumulator adjustment programs. Many Americans, those particularly with chronic diseases, rely on medicines to manage their conditions. But what a copay accumulator adjustment program does, it means that insurers are no longer uh, allowed drug cost sharing coupons to count towards your deductibles or caps on total out-of-pocket costs. So really be aware whether you're not in your insurance uh, insurer is integrating copay accumulator adjustment programs into your plan. This is particularly important, you know, if you are uh, have a prescription that you need to fill on a regular basis. Really watch out for these copay accumulator adjustment programs. Wow, there's a lot of things to look out for for sure. There's a lot of little, uh, I guess, little um, little side projects to where you could sign up for that could potentially hurt you more then it helps you at the end of the day. Uh, for states that have expanded Medicaid coverage, for example, has that been beneficial for uh, individuals in those states as well, or is that a cause for concern or a red flag as well? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, expansion of Medicaid uh, in states uh, has really been a boon in terms of getting basic coverage to as many people as possible. Um, I think the concern there is that you have a lot of states who are not expanding that coverage. So that's where those issues and those short-term limited duration plans become that much more attractive, right? Because you have folks who are trying to 
um, manage costs, get cheap plans. Um, so without Medicaid expansion in certain states, you have these plans that are proliferating. A lot of states have actually outlawed short-term limited duration insurance plans. So um, you have some states taking action, um, but certainly we need to see more states expanding Medicaid to provide more uh, low-cost options for consumers. Yeah, we got a couple of minutes left here. We're talking with Jason Resendez with Consumers for Quality Care. You can find them, Consumers, the number four, qualitycare.org. Find all their information there as well. Are there, uh, there's a movement that we're seeing with some uh, local family clinics, uh, and it started here in the Wichita area where I'm based out of. It started with a lot of them that are going towards like membership plans and private membership plans as opposed to accepting insurance because of the price of insurance. Is that a growing trend do you see across the nation? And is that a viable option for some as well, do you think? Yeah, I mean, you got to really watch out for some of these plans. I mean, they're very similar to short term. Uh, health plans, short-term limited duration plans. Um, there are these things called ministry share plans, uh, sharing ministries, which aren't insurance, right? So a lot of times these plans look good on paper. They serve a purpose in terms of getting folks to sign up because of you know, the situations they might be in. But oftentimes they don't cover uh, a lot of the basic uh, services that people need when they're in emergency situations or when they're having uh, surgery or interacting with the healthcare system. So really important to be to watch out for these um, plans and also take the opportunity during open enrollment to understand if you maybe a, a qualify for a subsidy, you didn't qualify for the last open enrollment period, you know, subsidies have, have changed, you might be surprised, you qualify for a bigger subsidy this year than you did last year. So really take advantage of the open enrollment period uh, to look at what options are available to you from a subsidy perspective, but then also a plan perspective. There's always new options coming on to the exchange. Um, so there are uh, might be a better fit for you and your family uh, compared to one of these short-term limited duration plans or one of these um, uh, sharing ministry plans. Sure, absolutely. We got just about a minute left here before we have to take our hard break and kind of wrap things up. But on the prescription side of things, I know prescriptions uh, have gone up in price as well. What do you recommend for options for individuals to be able to afford their medication? Yeah, I mean, this is why uh, it really is important to watch out for those copay accumulator adjustment programs, which help folks afford their prescriptions by being able to apply a manufacturer coupon uh, at the pharmacy counter. Uh, we're also now in a, a post-Inflation uh, Reduction Act. So if you are within the Medicare program, for example, and need a prescription like insulin, now those out-of-pocket costs are capped for insulin. Um, and out-of-pocket costs are capped more broadly in Part D. Uh, so there's, I think, a lot more options now in terms of prescription affordability than we've ever seen before. There it is. Jason Resendez, Consumers for Quality Care. Consumers, the number four, qualitycare.org. Go and check those guys out for all the information they have and try and find the best options that you have for you. Jason, we appreciate the time very much, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Hey, appreciate that. All right, we'll take a break. We got one more segment right around the corner here to wrap up the show today for a post-Monday celebration here on The Voice Series. And lots more coming up. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. 
the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes of the show. Wrap it up for a post-Monday celebration, the Day of the Dead. A post-Halloween as well and the beginning of November. Can you believe it? We are in November now. November of 2022. We are almost into 2023. That should just shake you to the core with how fast things have been going. Thanks again to Jason Resendez coming on the program. Consumers for Quality Care. Consumers number four, qualitycare.org, if you want to check those guys out. If you mentioned a few interesting things, and I don't know if you quite understood the question. Maybe I didn't ask it properly. But I was curious about the privatized memberships for health clinics. There are a few of them. Actually, a lot of them have started here in the Wichita area that has made national news on national talk shows. They've talked to them because people are getting away from health care. Health care it, it, can I just, just my humble opinion here, call me the conspiracy theorist, put the tinfoil hat on me for just a second. I'm very well aware of what I'm about to say, and it's going to shake people to the core. The healthcare industry is an entire complete scam. Can we just, entirely complete scam. Entirely complete scam. You have to pay a premium every month for when you're not sick to when you actually get sick, then you have to go and cover a deductible to a certain level before the health care even can, starts to kick in to cover your health issues. Then they only start covering a certain amount of it or up to a certain cap, and then you still have to pay out of pocket. And then they say that your specialist that you have to go to because you're really, really sick isn't covered by the health care industry and the health care insurance plan that you have. So then you have to pay more out of pocket, and then the prescriptions are then still expensive above that all of it which near 80 percent of the health issues today could be solved by dietary and exercise problems in this nation yes i said that everybody in their kitchen sink has some type of heart disease issue in this country and guess what heart disease issues wouldn't be a thing if like we didn't eat plastic all the time and with how bad the quality of food is and how bad the FDA has screwed up on what you're allowed and not allowed to eat in this nation. And then they try and demonize the local grower that tries to grow things in their backyard and you have to have some kind of license to sell it. That's my personal beef. I despise the healthcare industry. Yes, I've had a bad taste in my mouth from the healthcare industry overall, having to file medical bankruptcy a few years ago because of the lupus issues with Mrs. Voice of Reason. But guess what? Since that time, And this should be encouraging because it's not just a down and depressing story. Since that time, we filed bankruptcy in, what was it? Trying to remember. Yeah, we left here in what, 2019? So that was 2017, I believe, we filed medical bankruptcy. 2017, maybe 2018, but I think it was 2017. We filed medical bankruptcy. Since then, we have not had a single bit of medical debt. Because at that time, when my wife was almost on her deathbed with her lupus, with a kidney stone that blocked things up, that caused sepsis in her body, where the doctors did not know how to remove the stone without allowing the infection to spread through her entire body, and she was not responding to antibiotics at the time, and they weren't sure how to stop her from dying at that point. We took it upon ourselves. We took the matter into our own hands, and we said, never again. Never again are we going to rely on doctors to do something that we need to figure out on our own. Health Now, obviously, you can't do that with everything. Cancer. Sorry, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. You can't do that with every issue. Obviously, I'm not trying to do this as a blanket decision. However, there are many, many cases, majoritively, I would say, in this nation where we could handle our medical issues on our own. 
based on dietary issues, based on exercise issues, based on personal health issues and personal health choices, and based on not going to a doctor for a pill that's going to be the end-all be-all, but doing it ourselves. And I'm just throwing it out there. And if we did that in this nation, the healthcare industry would become obsolete because we would need a tiny clinic as opposed to five healthcare hospitals, massive hospitals in a city. We could do these things. And I despise the healthcare industry. So signing up for healthcare is a good thing. Having insurance is a good thing. I don't think Jason quite understood the question I had with the privatized industries because now, with how bad the insurance policies are, many clinics, mom and pop clinics, the family physicians are doing, hey, pay us a monthly membership. You get to see us an unlimited amount of times if you have an issue. We can write prescriptions for you. We do your checkups to make sure you're all good. We can refer you to the specialist that you need, and you don't have to pay the insurance. All you have to do is just pay a monthly membership, and you're taken care of. That is going to be the future of the healthcare industry because insurance companies, to hell with you. To hell with you. You're not going to raise my premiums, raise my deductibles, cover less, and then expect me to grovel back at you to sign up for you year after year. To hell with you. I'm over it. We're taking the issue back into our own hands because that's what we do in the private sector. And as Americans who figure things out because we American, we don't Americans. (laughs) That's my speech for the day. Back at it tomorrow. Podcast up in just a little bit. We're at it for the middle of the week on a Wednesday. Until then, be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.